Well, once again, uh, good morning, Crossway. Um, and children, uh, I'm aware that many of you are watching this with your moms and dads, and so a very special welcome to you. Um, I miss seeing you on Sunday mornings, but I'm really glad you're watching uh, these videos. So very special hello and welcome to you. Um, we want to say thank you. I'm sure you feel the same way. We want to say thanks again to Pastor Moore and his daughters for the great job they're doing, just helping us worship week by week. Uh, I trust you're taking full advantage of that and, and watching those videos and letting them lead you, letting Pastor Moore lead us in worship. And so thank you to them uh, once again. Um, I trust you are well. Um, I don't know about you, but I just have enjoyed seeing the sun and feeling the sunshine over these past few days. That's God's kindness to us. Um, I think about, uh, I mentioned a couple weeks back that after sharing from Psalm 46, I began to think that it would be good for us to spend some time uh, in the Psalms, uh, looking at these Psalms to steady our hearts during these days. I am so grateful for the book of Psalms. I'm guessing you feel the same way. God has put this book, this collection of Psalms in our Bibles uh, for a purpose. They speak to us. In fact, I should say he speaks to us in these Psalms um, to just the full range of human experience, the full range of human emotions. And the Psalms, they give us a path out of uh, places of worry, out of places of fear, out of places of anxiety, and a path into a place of trust, into a place of peace, into a place of hope, because they tell us about God, about what he is like and who he is toward us. That's what we've seen over these past several weeks now. And looking at these Psalms has also provided an opportunity for us to kind of check ourselves and see how it is uh, with our souls, uh, whether the foundation that we're standing on is solid uh, or not, whether um, the state of our soul is informed more by the circumstances around us or um, by what we know to be true about how God is toward us, about whether or not we are really resting in Christ as our solid rock or not. These Psalms have, have served us in this way. So I want us to look at one more psalm uh, this morning. Next week, uh, which is Easter Sunday, um, I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to wear a tie like I normally do on Easter Sunday, but next week we're going to go uh, back to the Gospel of John, back to chapter 8, kind of where we left off a few weeks ago, to that great moment when Jesus stands up in the temple and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will not walk in darkness. That's where we're going to be next week for Easter Sunday. So you might want to just reacquaint yourselves with the Gospel of John, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, and, and maybe have your uh, Gospel of John scripture journal ready. Um, that's where we'll be next week. But this morning, would you turn with me once again to the Psalms and find Psalm 91? I'm going to read this psalm. It's a little bit longer than the brief psalms we've been looking at recently, but it is a powerful psalm. So you follow along there as I read. This is God's word, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High 
will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. Pinions are the big, the big uh, flight feathers on the wings of a bird. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And then there's this shift now in Psalm 91, starting at verse 14. Now God is speaking. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, that is a wonderful psalm. It has been a source of great strength and great comfort to generations of believers. Um, this idea of God himself being our dwelling place, God himself being a place of comfort and security and, and rest. But the fact is, this psalm also has its challenges. Um, I'm sure that over the years, I have at one point or another made reference uh, to my grandmother, my dad's mom. Um, I, I have four grandparents, like most of us do. My mom's parents uh, they lived in Kentucky, and so most of my growing up years, we didn't get to see them except maybe once or twice a year. But my dad's parents, Grandma and Grandpa Bullmore, they lived in town, and we would see them very regularly, and we developed a very close and warm relationship with them. And then my grandpa died when I was uh, about 10 years old, but my grandma, she just kept going uh, for a long time. In fact, she outlived my grandpa by over 20 years, and she was just a wonderful, godly uh, woman. In her later years, um, she had to be in a nursing facility for a period of time, and I would go and visit her. I was a young pastor at this point, and during my visits, I would always read something from God's Word to her, and usually it was from the book of Psalms, and not infrequently, it was this psalm. This was one of my go-to psalms to read when I visited my grandmother, and as I read, she would, she would be lying there in her bed in a lot of discomfort, and she would close her eyes, and she would smile as I read, and she would nod her head, and she would listen so intently, and when I was done, she would, she would squeeze my hand, and she would say, that is so true. God is so good. And in my mind, I'd be thinking, well, yeah, but here you are laying in a bed, suffering and all sorts of pain that you're dealing with. 
And yet, even in the midst of that, I knew that she understood the truth of this psalm 10 times, 100 times better than I did. Friends, there are surprisingly strong promises of protection in this psalm. And I think we all recognize, I think we realize that there's a lot of figurative language that's used in this psalm. Like, I don't think that we are to take verse 13, for example, literally, uh, you will tread on the lion. But it means something. So the question is, what does that mean? Well, what it means, what Psalm 91 means is that there is safety in God. There is a very specific kind of safety that is found in God and in God alone. Um, maybe at some point over the course of your schooling, uh, you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This guy named Abraham Maslow came up with this chart representing human needs, and it was in the shape of a pyramid. And on the very bottom, the basic level of need were our biological needs uh, for food, water, shelter, clothing. And then as you made your way up all the way to the, the tip of the pyramid, the highest need was what he called self-actualization. And the point of Maslow's pyramid is that, that you really can't attend to the higher needs until you've attended to the lower needs. And do you know what the second level of need was? Right above the biological needs. In fact, the very first non-biological need. You know what it was? It was for safety, for a sense of security. Now, I'm not, I'm not necessarily endorsing everything that Maslow um, was communicating, but in terms of naming safety as the first non-biological, we could think of psychological, emotional, we could even say the first spiritual need, Maslow was putting his finger on a powerful reality, a powerful longing in the human heart. Every human being has a fundamental longing for security, to feel safe. Children feel this acutely. They want to feel safe. Women feel this. They want to feel safe. And guess what? Men feel this too, this, this longing, this need for safety. And this psalm speaks, or, or I should say, in this psalm, God speaks to this longing, this need, and he tells us there is safety to be found in him. But... What does that mean? Verse 9, Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. I mean, let's be real. Christians suffer all the time. Um, I, I will never forget something that happened to me when I was about 20 years old, I think it was. I was on my way over to Africa for a year. I was going to spend a year um, on the mission field there. And uh, on my way over, I had to stop at mission headquarters in Newark, New Jersey. I was to spend a couple nights there. And one of the nights I was there alone in my room, I hear a knock on the door and I open the door and there stands this couple, um, maybe in their late fifties. And they just said, can we come in? And I said, of course, come on in. And they sat and began to tell me that they were missionaries in the very same place that I was headed to in Kenya. And they'd been there for many years, and while they were there, their son, in his teens, contracted meningitis and died. And they buried him 
there on that mission field. And through their tears, through their weeping, now many years later, they were coming to me and asking if I would be so kind as to tend to their son's grave while I was there uh, in Kajabi. You know, I hear that and it makes me wonder, what do people who've experienced things like that think when they read Psalm 91? Like verse 5, you will not Fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. What do people who've experienced that kind of thing, what are they supposed to think when they read verse 7? A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Does God really protect? Is there really safety? And Psalm 91 insists I mean, without batting an eyelash, it insists, yes, God protects. Yes, there is safety. Psalm 91 can almost be organized under two headings, um, the dangers and the protections, the dangers that we face and the protections that God provides. There are 10 dangers, if you count them, there's 10 dangers named in this psalm. They come in pairs. Look at verse 3. Um, the, the snare and the pestilence. Verse 5, the terror and the arrow. Verse 6, the pestilence and the destruction. Uh, verse 10, no evil or plague. Verse 13, the lion and the serpent. I mean, that covers a lot of ground, right? But then Psalm 91 also names the protections of God. And I don't want to make too big of a point of this, but there are more protections than there are dangers. Twelve things are named as you read through this psalm. Twelve times God says, I will do something to protect you from danger. So the psalm is making a very clear statement. God will protect. God will keep you safe. And of course, that raises all kinds of questions. So let's ask them. Three questions. Who does God protect? From what? And how? So first question, who? Who does God say that he will protect? You know, all through the main part of this psalm, that word you shows up. Look at it there, verse 3, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions. And, and all the way through, almost every verse, in fact, every verse except one, all the way down to verse 13, that word you just shows up over and over again. So who's the you? And the answer is the one being described at the beginning and the end of this psalm. Look at verse one. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Verse two my refuge and my fortress, the one who says those things. And then look down to verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, this is God speaking, I will deliver him. And we see the very same thing in the middle of the psalm as well, verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. So you can see this thread all the way through this psalm the answer to the who question is those who have 
come to God, those who have turned to God, those who have entrusted themselves to him. That's who God promises to protect. So then, question number two, from what? Because the fact is, um, as Christians, as those who have come to God, we experience all kinds of evil and trouble in this world. We are not exempt as Christians. Um, so what protection then is Psalm 91 promising? I mean, clearly that's what this psalm is doing. Twelve times this psalm says God will act in some way to protect. Well, I believe the key is found in verse 8. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. From what will those who turn to God and entrust themselves to God be saved? They will be saved from God's judgment. Not from every hardship or suffering in life, but from God's judgment on sin. We will be kept safe, protected from any ultimate harm when we entrust ourselves to him. Let me show you something um, that I think will be very helpful here. You, you might not like this, but I think it'll be very helpful. Flip over in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Here Jesus is, he's talking to his disciples. And he says to them, in verse 16, he says, you will be delivered up and even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. And you read that and you think, wait a second, whatever happened to uh, no evil shall befall you? Well, look at verse 18. Jesus says, but not a hair of your head will perish. What's Jesus saying? He, he's saying you will suffer. And in fact, some of you will die, but not a hair of your head will perish. Now, unless, unless you want to say that Jesus is just kind of loony, uh, he's just outright irrational, he's kind of lost his marbles. Unless you want to say that, what this means is that there is a greater safety than mere freedom from physical suffering and even death. And that greater safety is absolutely guaranteed, and it's that greater safety that Psalm 91 is talking about. Uh, that's why my grandma could nod her head and smile all the time I'm reading those verses while she's laying in bed in great discomfort because she knew. What we're protected from is any real harm, any ultimate harm. All of these images of danger in Psalm 91 are symbolic of spiritual harm, ultimate harm. And all of them will not touch those who have made God their dwelling place. So that, that brings us to our third question. How? How does God protect? And Psalm 91's answer is very clear and it's very precious. How does God protect? He protects by being a refuge, being a dwelling place, a place that we can come 
and enter into for safety and for rest. Verse 1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Those who come to God and look to him for the dwelling that he is, those who entrust themselves to God and come to him and call on his name, those are the ones that he has promised to protect which is exactly why Jesus came, why God sent Jesus to provide a way for us who are, spiritually speaking, um, just out in desolate places, unprotected, vulnerable, in fact, deserving of God's judgment. He sent Jesus to provide a way for us to come to God. Jesus says it so clearly, I'm the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, but if you come through me, you will dwell in God and you will have his full protection such that we can rest in him and we can find safety in him. Just look at these images. Verse one, shelter. Uh, verse two, refuge. And then that wonderful combination in verse four of of warmth, this mother bird covering her young and and combined with uh, armor, a shield and buckler, this unyielding strength. That is what God is like. He's strong and he is tender. And he says, he says, kind of talking to us or pointing to us there in verse 14, because he, this is God speaking, because he, pointing to those who have entrusted themselves to him because they hold fast to me in love, I will deliver them. I will protect them because they know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. And with long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Do you see that little phrase in the middle of verse 15? I will be with him. And you see that phrase at the end of verse 16? And show him my salvation. That phrase goes from kind of abstract truth to concrete reality in what Jesus did for us when he came and died on the cross for us and in what he did on that first Easter Sunday when he rose from the dead. And because of that, we can be with God. Him dwelling with us, us dwelling in him. You know, I discovered something uh, very interesting this past week as I was preparing this message. At least I, I thought it was interesting. I had Diane do just a quick um, reference search of this phrase, dwelling place. I was curious uh, if there were other places in the Bible that spoke like Psalm 91 speaks. And what I found was reference after reference after reference, especially in the book of Leviticus, to your dwelling place. But it was describing people's actual homes, your dwelling place, your dwelling place, over and over again, 
But that's how God spoke of their homes. Your dwelling place over and over again. It was amazing. Dozens of references. God getting in their minds. This very important reality uh, in their lives, where they live, where you go at the end of the day to find welcome and, and rest and safety. All throughout the book of Leviticus, into the book of Numbers, into the early chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, and then near the end of Deuteronomy, this. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your dwelling place. Do you see what God is doing? is taking this, this thing that is so important in our everyday lives, the, the, this important thing that is so precious to us, our homes, our dwelling places, and he, he takes that and he says, that's me. I'm your real dwelling place, your place of comfort and safety and rest and peace and joy. And that is picked up here in the Psalms. In fact, look back at Psalm 90, Verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And he says it again here in verse 91 in the first verse, but especially there in verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. Christian, listen, there should be nothing more precious to you, nothing than the presence of God. Nothing more precious to you than the presence of Christ. Someday we will enjoy that fully. We'll be with him in a new way, a full way. We'll see him face to face. But even now, he is, he is with you. He is with us. We dwell in him. I told you earlier about uh, my grandma. At one point near the end of her life, she was actually in the hospital and I went to visit her. And on that particular day, she just... Um, she, she wasn't all with it. And we did our best to have a conversation. I stayed there for some time, but the time came for me to go. And as I was walking out of that hospital room, I just got into the door and was turning into the hallway. I, I hear my grandma's little voice and she was just quoting scripture. And, and here's what she said. She said, and now am I alone? No, for thou art with me. I heard that and I just stopped and I leaned my head up against the wall in that hall and I just began to weep and I, I said, God, I want that. That's what I want. I want that kind of faith. God, give me that kind of faith. Friends, God intends every one of us who belong to him to have that. That deep and abiding trust in God's presence, that deep and abiding assurance. God is with me and I am with him and he will bring me safely through, come what may, safely through to everlasting joy. Dear ones, here is a psalm to stand on. Here is a psalm to rest in. Here is a psalm to use to remind yourself that all will be well for those who are in God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is so good. Um, it's like a sword 
living and active. It's able to penetrate to exactly where you intended to go. But at the very same time, it's, it's like rain um, nourishing and nurturing what you've begun in us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use this psalm, Psalm 91, in whatever means is necessary, um, Lord, perhaps to, to penetrate to some places, perhaps to encourage. God, we pray, use your word in our lives. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been good um, to be with you again, even though obviously we're not together. It's good. I'm glad to be able to connect this way. And let's stay uh, connected. In fact, um, in this coming week, let's look forward to some very uh, special connections as we anticipate uh, remembering our Lord's death on Friday and then celebrating our Lord's resurrection from the dead on Sunday. We'll give you some instructions about exactly how we're going to do that this week. So be looking for that email on Wednesday. Check your emails or uh, tap into the website to find that. There will be more instruction about that. Um, until then, Crossway, uh, may the peace of Christ be with you. Amen. <music>